You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justin Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Say what's up to the people, Tyler. What's up, guys? Uh, in honor of replacing Tex, he does a celebratory drink, right? It's usually pretty thematic. I have chosen tea. Uh, it's technically not drugs. It is sleepy time tea, but there is no ayahuasca, but it's a little tribute to the touchdown celebration. Yeah, Randall Cobb after the game. So the Green Bay Packers won 27-10 against the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. Felt good to uh, punch down on little brother once more. Um, after the game, Randall Cobb said that uh, the Packers were just drinking a little bit of tea when they clearly had a ayahuasca celebration planned out where uh, Alan Lazard caught Aaron Rodgers' first actual touchdown pass of the season um you know aaron jones caught a little uh jet motion pop pass which like do- doesn't count at all as a touchdown pass in my in my personal record book but lazard was pouring the football into pretend uh cups that his teammates were holding the teammates would then sip it and hit the ground immediately um sammy watkins spilled the beans though sammy watkins said yeah it was definitely an ayahuasca thing aaron Rodgers said he had no uh, no role in planning it. They don't let him in the room to uh, plan celebrations. He's no good at it. And he pretended to not know what the heck they were talking about. So I will say he did seem a little surprised when they busted it out. He like came up there like, what are you guys doing? He was doing like the I love gold thing. Did you see yeah. he's throwing yeah. his, his arms up and he was like, <laughs> what are we doing? What's going on? Um, Green Bay Packers won. Let's start at the beginning. Patrick Taylor got elevated. The uh, running back from the practice squad. He was out there on special teams. He was actually a, a wedge buster out there. It was him and Tipa Nalia, and Tipa usually plays that spot. He's a really versatile special teams guy. It was nice to see him get elevated because I thought, you know, last week, I think the kind of the big surprise with the practice squad elevations is they only went in with two running backs, right? And who knows how that, I mean, after the game, they said, you know, they planned on getting the running back more, the balls, the ball more next week. But they also said, you know, we would want, we would have wanted to run the ball more in week one. And we just got out of it because of how the game flow went and all that stuff. It was nice to see him get promoted. They actually have three running backs, run a ton of pony personnel, which is two running backs. Um, I think it was before the, before the last drive of the first half. I know that's wordy. The Packers had 15 pony snaps in the first two games. So the big, you know, first game and a half minus one drive last year, they had 29 of those snaps. So this is definitely, you know, a change in what they're doing. Um, it was one of the hesitations I had, you know, coming into the off season, cause you heard offensive court, new offensive coordinator, Adam Stenovich, who moved up from the offensive line position. Um, he was talking about getting them on the field together, but they're really like every team says that. And there really aren't that many teams that do it. Like it's the Cowboys, it's the Cardinals, it's the Colts. It's usually a team with like a power back and a pass catcher, which like it makes sense why Green Bay would take kind of take this route, but not a lot of teams do it. So it was nice to see them kind of take that approach more in week two. Um, wasn't really anything that we saw in the preseason, but we saw it a little bit in week one. It's a bunch of orbit motion and jet motion stuff, you know, with, uh, Aaron Jones either ending up basically in the slot or starting off in the slot. Um, AJ Dillon in the backfield. Aaron Rodgers said after the game, you know, they're just scratching the surface on what they can do in the pony package. And they have a whole lot more that they haven't unleashed. I thought that was interesting because they they are running it more frequently this year, but it feels like they're running the same place, right? I mean, this is the third season that we've talked about pony packages with these two guys, right? And you only saw little sprinkles of that. Um, so to see that in full display the first two weeks is exciting, even if it is the same staples. I mean, it seems to be working. There's stuff you can layer onto that. Maybe it's just one of those. It's early in the, let's get these base calls down. Let's get comfortable with them. And then we can start expanding on that. Um, the other part about 
the pony package, the run game is just how much we've changed from seeing so much zone running to the gap scheme stuff. And I'm wondering if that's, is Stenovich been wanting to do this this whole time? And now that he's finally OC, he gets a little bit more say in this. Yeah, I don't know. And it might be just a, it might just be because they have so many young guys yeah. in there in a rotating offensive line. Right. So inside zone, outside zone, um, pretty explanatory, right? Like you just kind of like area block a guy inside zone, you're combo blocking outside zone. You're kind of trying to like run around the guy. Um, the big difference with pin and pull, and it's something that I learned when I was coaching single wing football, actually during the pandemic 2020. And I don't know you guys don't want to hear about me coaching high school football, but I started off at this program that we can talk high school football. Do we just do another podcast? About <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this quickly. <laughs> I, I coached at a high school program that hadn't won a football game in two years. Right. Um, we had 38 kids. Our right tackle was like 160 pounds and we're playing against legit schools against scholarship players up here. Right. So we were kind of put behind an eight ball or put, put behind the eight ball in that one. Um, art school too so like you're getting a ton of half the program half the school is just like not hanging around unless they're in the music or art departments after after school for extracurriculars right um one thing that we had to do really quickly is like because of the pandemic all that stuff you can't build up the chemistry that you need to build up to actually run a lot of these zone things right so like maybe it's not the most physical way to play ball um, to run zone, but it does take a whole lot of chemistry to be able to just like say, we're running this play. There's no adjustments. We're going to run it. And if they do this, we do this, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. The good thing about pin and pull is you're kind of on train tracks basically. Right. So pin and pull, you're generally going to pull your two guards. Um, they can give you funky fronts where you make adjustments. You end up, you know, soliding one of them or not pulling one of them. Um, or end up pulling a center and a guard instead of both both guards, something like that, right? Um, but you're basically on train tracks. The first guy who's pulling on the play side is going to kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage. The other guy is going to insert up to play side linebacker, and there's just a windshield wiper of down blocks, right, from that point on. So it's kind of like train tracks, right? You're just doing 45 degrees. I'm running that way. I'm blocking that guy. It's just kind of like that for the most part, unless you're one of the pullers. So it's interesting to see them kind of take this approach, but they had a lot of success with this pin and pull yeah. stuff in week one against Minnesota. And I, I'm sure that's why they were like, dang, I wish we would have had more ops at it. Right. And obviously they did very well today. I mean, the first half they were running it like crazy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were averaging like eight yards per carry on pin and pull plays with yeah. like 12 under the belt or something. And I think having Lazard back as a guy that can insert and still down block and set up those pullers too is like just a huge asset. And I feel like we talk about it all the time whenever he's in there, but seeing it back on the field, just I, I could watch that man run block all day. He could catch zero passes in a game. And I would say he had a great game just off how he opens up the run. Yeah. And I think he helped out a lot too when uh, Packers got that goal line stop. Right. And they're on the one yard line. They got to run the ball downhill to get it out of there. I mean, you can't take a deep play action shot out of your own one yard line. Like you're going to end up walking through the back line of the end zone, looking like Dan Orlovsky or something. Right. Um, first thing they did, they lined Lazard up as like that insert guy and they ran right behind him. Like that stuff, that stuff matters. Cause they didn't have that last week. Damn. Simply didn't do it with anyone. Orlovsky didn't need to catch a stray right there. Just out of nowhere. Wow. I'm sure he, he, uh, no. it, I heard Orlovsky <laughs> call some games recently and I'm so okay. I'm okay, the <laughs> I'm okay with giving him the stray. I might bully. I'm going on Mina's show uh, this week. And I think I might bully her about Orlovsky. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do about that. Um, no Juwan Winfrey, no Micah Abernathy. Those guys were both called up last week. Winfrey, I felt like was a sign that Green Bay was going to activate or we're going to be able to play with Alan Lazard, which ended up becoming true. I thought it was interesting. They only brought up one guy from the practice squad. I think they're just trying to like save bodies. I mean, this is something Tex and I have talked about, but they're actively trying to work guys off of the injured reserve, right. And give them injury settlements. They don't have a lot of ways to like mess with the cap mechanics at this point. I really don't think that they like want to promote guys from the practice squad to the 53. I think they just want to use them off the practice squad. It's not going to be a situation where like Jawan Winfrey was activated for 
what was it like a month or something at the end of last yeah. year Ladarius Hamilton was on the active roster then moved back down to the practice squad I think they just want to keep the practice squad guys there and the fact that they're not burning their eligibility for a Sunday night football game when they're 0-1 is a pretty telling sign in that I thought yeah that's that's hard juggling what is the they only get three elevations is that correct they get, yeah they get three elevations Oof. yeah that's uh yeah that's not a lot when you're trying to juggle roster man i don't know you got to be a real football sicko to uh do some of this stuff with some of these elevations and practice squads and uh just roster management in general like on the fringes of the roster uh that that's where so much work goes into that not a lot of people pay attention to this is literally what i had to do for the xfl we were tracking <laughs> promotions uh, weekly that track makes sense yeah. This this was yeah this was the sicko stuff that I was doing. I'm like oh I think we can get a shot at this guy. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting. So Lazard, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr. They all played. Bakhtiari didn't. Um, more surprised that Elton and John Runyon Jr. did play than Bakhtiari didn't. I mean Runyon was right up to the deadline for that concussion protocol. I mean he must have passed it like yesterday or yeah. something like that. On Friday he was limited and. You know, it wasn't a pad or it wasn't like a hard practice or anything like that. Um, Packers have 11 offensive linemen on their team, leading leading the league, 11 offensive linemen. They scratched. Um, they scratched Sean Ryan, the third round pick instead of Rashid Walker. thought that was interesting because like the it really came down for that last uh, 53 man roster spot. Right. It came down to Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones. It never felt like Sean Ryan was going to be cut. And Rasheed Walker got the nod before Sean Ryan. I thought that that was kind of something worth noting. I mean, Ryan never like stood out in the preseason, but I guess this is another uh, practice squad or or inactive stash, right? The the reason I'm so surprised is Ryan brings you more versatility as far as guard tackle where Walker is more of a pure tackle. So if things do, you know, go horribly wrong that he can, you know, be plugged, plug in somewhere. Right. Um, and also third round pick versus seventh round. Yeah. The, the fact that we didn't hear him or he wasn't even getting like many reps with the first team uh, in training camp. I think that's a little telling about how he's at least getting off to start in Green Bay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, handling- I don't even think that they played him at tackle very long. Yeah. Like it seemed like they just moved him to guard almost immediately. And maybe if you have a guy like uh, Elton Jenkins who can play all across the line, a guy like Zach Tom who can play all across the line, maybe that helps there. But just interesting to know. I mean, how many, I guess it, what, four injuries is what it would take for Ryan to, to join into the lineup apparently, at least. Yeah, that's, so. that's woof. Speaking of offensive line, um, Josh Nyman struggled. Yeah. Felt like he struggled. Um, Robert Tunyon has talked about this before. We talked about this during uh, the halftime Twitter spaces that we did, which, by the way, hop in on those on uh, Twitter.com whenever you can. They're pretty fun. People ask questions. We had a Bears fan in there. Got to bully him a little bit. A little bit. Um, so Robert Tunyon's talked about this. When they don't have their starting tackles out there, He's asked to chip a whole lot more. This game, they played Mercedes Lewis a lot more than Tunyon. And really, it was like play action shots and stuff like that. It wasn't a whole lot of like wearing the gun. Tunyon's going to chip the the premier edge rusher and then, you know, run out into the flat afterwards and stuff like that. Without the chip help, which Diamond's been uh, a beneficiary of, right, more more often than not, I thought he had his worst game in Green Bay. He looked like yeah. he was struggling a lot and he was playing his preferred position, right? They always yeah. talk about how they like him more at left tackle than right tackle. There were times, I mean, he was getting walked back. There were times he looked uncomfortable um, in his kick slide. It almost looked like he was like backpedaling. Just a tough showing for him. And I'm, I'm hoping Bakhtiari comes back sooner rather than later. I know he's not going to be practicing a whole lot the way that LaFleur said that they're going to kind of keep him on a pitch count, even when he is, healthy enough to play games, but Nyman did not have a good game. Yeah. We talked about it on the Twitter spaces, but one of the sets just looked really awkward. Like he almost underset or didn't get enough depth on it. And Rogers had this kind of pretty deep drop. And so uh, was it Robert Quinn or some pass rusher? I mean, basically just ran right around him and right into Rogers face. 
Like that's, that's basic stuff for pass protection. You can't have your offensive tackles um, not take the appropriate steps to get deep and beat around the side. You can at least steer them around the outside, but I mean, that stuff's just unacceptable in pass protection. Yeah. I don't think Elton had the best game, which he's coming off of a mid season ACL tear and is playing in September. So I don't think anyone expected him to be totally right at this point. Um, the fact that he kicked in Royce Newman into right guard, I think helped a lot. LaFleur went as far as to say, you know, unprompted. He was like, if Elton Jenkins isn't in this game, I don't think we win it, which, I mean, that's a massive swing. The Green Bay Packers won by a score of 27 at 10. So you're talking about a 17 point swing is what Elton Jenkins is worth. Um, I mean, you see, I saw a couple of plays with Newman too, like, especially in the run game, he just looks so much more comfortable at that guard spot. Yeah. And he, I, I think that's an added plus because you, you get Newman out of tackle and you get Jake Hansen off the field. It's a win-win. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Josh Myers. No oh, man. He also had a probably the worst game he's had in Green Bay. It's it's kind of crazy. Green Bay made it out of this game with so much success in the ground game when both of their tackles underperformed and their center. Frankly, was bad. He was missing assignments. Um, he had that. They uh, they confirmed in the press conference. Aaron Rodgers did at least that uh, the fumbled snap that ended up hitting Christian Watson was on Myers because he snapped it on one instead of snapping it on two. Just very odd. Very odd game for him. Like there would be plays, and I know this is kind of a new scheme, right? The Packers didn't really run any gap scheme stuff or very much gap scheme stuff. Uh, in the in past years, at least when Myers was there last year, um, they would just be like pin and pull calls. And then it'd be like, yeah, the nose tackles in the backfield immediately. And Myers is turning around like with his hands open and he's like, oh crap, that was me. It's like, it's too much of that, too much of that going on. We got the bucks next week, man. I think what worries me is I've never really, when I watched even the film of the offensive line, he's never really stood out to me. Uh, he had an awful game this week. And then I keep remembering that, when he was selected, the very next pick was Creed Humphrey and was a big fan of that guy. So that one hurts more than a lot of these draft misses uh, of recent years for me. Not saying that, you know, Myers can obviously develop and become a better player, but Humphrey just came out of the gate and played so well. You have to wonder what that would have looked like in Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he's been really good for Kansas City. Um, let's keep going down the run game notes I have. Rodgers finally kept one on a read option. <laughs> they he went, looks spry. Yeah, I mean, they keep, they keep calling these plays, right? Like, they're, all the gun runs, they're not using Y off stuff as much as they have in the past, right, with the tight end off the line of scrimmage. That's usually the way that they ended up holding that end man on the line of scrimmage, right? So you would have a tight end off the ball on the right side. He ends up coming across the formation, kicking out the defensive end or outside, whatever you want to call him on the, on the left side, they're just not doing that right now. So Aaron Rodgers is having to be the guy who's reading that crashing defensive end. And we saw that in uh, what was it? The, the goal line play against Minnesota last week, where Zadarius just crashed down. Rodgers should have pulled it on that play. Like that's how that play is designed. He hasn't really pulled him. Finally did it. Got a first down. That was nice to see. Um, It's interesting to see how this running game develops. Um, because they're doing a whole lot of different stuff than what they used to be able to get away with when Devontae was out there. I mean, one of the big takeaways I had in the Minnesota game was like they would have the weak safety. Um, so usually when people talk about X receivers, right, X receiver is a guy who's on the ball. He's usually split far away from the formation. He's usually, usually by himself. That's kind of like what Devontae did, right? They would do certain things where – they would hide him in the formation and stuff like that. But for the most part, he was the X um, against Minnesota. They would like have Harrison Smith start as a weak safety and then just like rotate him strong post snap because they did not respect who that backside guy was. And because they can get plus one on the strong side, that ends up messing around with like what type of runs you can do. And I think the Packers, what we're seeing in the run game and seeing them develop is a response to that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I like that it's doing something different. I think after the first few years, first couple years of LaFleur, I mean, you're starting to just get a lot of the same looks. Things are becoming stale, especially in the red zone. Just red zone efficiency has completely fallen off. 
um, something's got to change, right? Especially with your number one target leaving. So uh, the run game changes are nice. I'm just very curious to see what happens in the passing game and how that changes. Cause we're obviously seeing that the target share is definitely being uh, split among everyone. This whole tree too is having issues at, at the goal line, right? Yeah. So we're having the Packers stuff. We saw the bear stuff, right? I mean, they turned the ball over at the one yard line with running power with uh, Justin Fields. I saw earlier in the game or earlier in the day after Trey Lance got hurt, you know, they, they ran uh, quarterback power with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Um, Denver had a pretty bad showing at the goal line in, in their opening game in week one. Like I, I so there's something about this tree where it's like, there's just not a whole lot of answers if you're not going to get like heavy, heavy, heavy on the, on the line of scrimmage. Someone needs to Aggie and bring back those weird Trubisky goal line packages. Cause I will say this for all the random crap you did. That was terrible. Some of those plays were fun. They were, I still think Trubisky could be like the 28th best starting quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. If, if you run him and do a lot of that stuff, um, if you get him to his maximum potential. He's a top 30 quarterback. Yeah. Uh, there was also the fumble that Rogers and AJ Dillon had. He just messed up counters kind of weird. Cause you open up one way and end up handing off to the other way. And he messed up the handoff there. That, that was one fumble. The other fumble was uh, the, the Josh Myers thing that we already talked about defensively. I thought the bears offensive line was terrible. Um, They're beaten down on those guys all game. That, that was the big one that the uh, bears fan in the Twitter spaces came in with was uh the offensive line's not doing that bad. It's like dude, these 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 guys are getting dog walked, man. These guys are getting dog walked. Um, you're just fortunate that every once in a while, Rashawn Gary is just going to lose contain completely. Yeah, there's a couple of those plays where I'm like, is there's a polar, and I get Gary trying to like wrong arm the polar, and I'm wondering if an ilb is supposed to scrape over, but then I don't see the ilb scraping over, and then there's just green grass and. Given the history of what we've seen with Rashawn Gary, I'm thinking you, you you might be wrong here. Maybe this is your maybe this is your gap. Um, Packers gave up a ton of rushing yards, a ton to David Montgomery. Um, felt like their weakness was really when they played nickel, um, and they only had two two you know interior defensive linemen on the field up front. I mean, I think they should probably go to Penny. Because every single time they start playing that penny front, right, with five guys on line scrimmage and just Devondre Campbell in as an off-ball linebacker, they end up stuffing the run a whole lot better. The the one big turnoff of that, right, is that's when you get like, okay, we can motion our way into Preston Smith covering in the slot, yeah. right? Yep. Or you're going to rush five every single play. Every single play you're down a guy in coverage, right? Those are the kind of decisions you have to make. But that's kind of how this team was built in at least in this matchup, when you're seeing the running back go off like that, that's when I think you hop into your penny front and you're just like, here, deal with three three defensive tackles while you have three wide receivers on the field. I dare you. I mean, that one drive when they had the backups in, including at edge, that was pretty brutal. Just those guys are getting gassed. They're getting driven yeah. down the field. I actually think one of the turning points in that goal line stand was um, Rufus challenging that fourth and inches that became a first down. Because, you know, at that point, the defensive line's gas. They're completely on the ropes. And, you know, it's fourth and inches, yeah. But if you just keep running, like, up-tempo and just run through that group, you're probably in the end zone in, like, two or three plays. Instead, you get the first down, but you have the starters out there who now have a breather. And, you know, it was two short runs. Uh, what was the third play? Uh, was it a scramble? Was it a scramble by Fields? Yeah, he dived, dove at the end zone. And it was almost a fumble. It was almost a touchdown. They rolled him down to one. And, and they do that weird spread keeper look, and then that gets stuffed. So I think that was one of the bigger turning points of the game. One thing that did suck, uh, you could see the chess match of Getze versus Barry at times. Like, they'd get gashed three plays in a row on runs in nickel, hop in a penny, and then once they see Penny, they're just like, we're going to run read option because you don't have another linebacker who could scrape off the side. And it's like, oh, you're calling the you're, you're calling beaters, right? Like yep. you're, you're calling beaters. Um, so, I mean, this entire division is pretty I, – I guess not Detroit, but like Minnesota, um, Chicago, like defensively and offensively, they we all kind of do the same thing. 
to yeah. a certain extent. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how those battles shake out down the line. Um, Justin Fields, I want you to guess how many completions he has beyond the line of scrimmage in the first two weeks of the season. Oh, beyond the line of scrimmage? Beyond the line of the scrimmage, this game and the Niners game. There is a monsoon. I'm going to go 30. 30 completions? Oh, completions. Sorry, I was thinking of attempts. Beyond the line of scrimmage. The sleepy time T is getting to me. Okay, let me think. I'm going to go 18. Eight. (laughs) He had four completions beyond the line of scrimmage against San Francisco and four in this game against Green Bay. I preyed upon his downfall. I feel like personally responsible for this going so bad for Justin Fields. Cause I think he was a talented player coming out, but he just has no help around him. And I, it, it's year two already and there's no signs of growth. Right. So like, where's it going to go from here? I, I, I do not, I am not scared at all about Chicago being able to turn it around with Justin Fields under center. I just by feel the, like they're going to ruin it. By the time this roster is like built out, his rookie deal is going to be over. And I can imagine he's going to be like, nah, I don't want to play here. Yeah, I would like to play somewhere else. I would like to play for the AFC Chicago team that we will become fans of. Yes, yes. Um, Amari Rogers still a roller coaster. Had like a plus twenty, had a plus twenty, and then just does chaotic stuff. Had one where he tried to catch a punt, dribbled it, then caught it. Then he had another one where he was just like, "I really want to get hit. I don't want to fair catch this one." Just chaos. And I don't understand why. So they're trying to feed Romeo Dobbs on like screens and stuff, right? Because you want that guy with the ball in his hand, you know, around bodies, but he can also work through space. If that's the case for Dobbs and he's your wide receiver, like four or five, right? With the way that they're using Randall Cobb now more consistently. Why isn't he the guy also returning punts at the very least? Amari's returning for us. That's all I, all I can oh, say about that. Oh, goodness gracious. It's bad, man. He's just – I think he overthinks all of it, and it's like the probably one of the easier things to not overthink in football. Catch the ball, and if people are close to you, wave your hand to catch the ball. And he – I don't know what is going on. I would love to know what's going on in his head. It's just <laughs> – I texted my little brother who was uh, just like, hey, Amari did a thing finally. And then literally the very next return, that yeah. fumble. Just one of these things. Wasn't great. A um, couple more notes. Special teams. Mercedes Lewis was at left wing today. That was the spot that Tyler Lancaster played when he allowed the uh, the uh, field goal. Uh, what do we call it? Block tip against San Francisco. That was a position that last week they had an offensive lineman fill in for. But, you know, obviously they have all these scratches on the offensive line compared to last week. DeGuara played left guard on punt team. He was a replacement for um, Chris Barnes. That I kind of thought Ray Wilborn was going to be a call for that. That's probably in terms of like, hey, they didn't use a practice squad call for a guy. That's probably the one that was the most surprising for me. I've, Johnson? I'm, oh, I'm, go ahead. I was going to say, I've got enough special teams problems of my own on Carmel's freshman team, so – I'm glad you're here to go through the depth charts of this because you're going through those positions. And in my head, I'm thinking of my players and where everyone needs to be moved. Are you in the bo- Do you call special teams? Uh, we, we have split duties, me and one of the other assistant coaches, shout out coach Schwartz. So we handle all of the special teams, but you're doing that from the field. I was in the booth. I, I was special teams coordinator. 2020, yeah. Freshman games. We have no, we have no one in the booth for our freshman games. So yeah. we're just doing it on the field. It's, it's, it's hard. Oh, God, dude, getting 14-year-olds and, like, just counting to 11. I need you to remember that you're on this thing when we call for it. Got it. Oh, man. All right, we need this thing. Where is that kid? That's Nowhere to speak. That's not fun. That's not fun. I thought it was really interesting that the passing game basically avoided Jalen Johnson entirely, the entire game. Did you feel like that? Like, I never felt like he was targeted at all. I mean, I know he's a good corner, but, I mean, we're not talking about Remember back in the day, Packers played the Seattle Seahawks and they just had like Jarrett Boykin line up on Richard Sherman the entire game. <laughs> like Jalen Johnson isn't that. No, it's not 
that, it's just, I think, you know, Rodgers loves to pick on the younger guys, right? I don't think Kyler Gordon had a good game. Uh, mm. Brisker, who I've been, imp- I was impressed with all preseason. I don't think, I didn't yeah. see him that much. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it would be, but um, I think they're just so focused on running. And then there's a lot of those gadget plays, and pop passes, and yeah, all that stuff. It was fun. I'll get, tell you what, the it offense was, was quite fun today. Winning is fun, is it? And I just like, uh, well, winning's great. And I just liked, it was a bit more creativity than I'm used to seeing from the offense. Yeah. Also, no injuries. No injuries is also fun. I knock on, I don't wood. Think knock on wood for that. I mean, yeah. you never know, but. We had, uh, who was it? Rudy Ford, the safety, randomly got a hamstring injury like an hour before the game, and he was listed as questionable. Ended up playing, but that was a, a little bit of a scare. I'm convinced on. that's not a real person. I've never heard of that guy. He's a, a, a all-pro gunner, apparently, is what he is. It's yeah. one of the Basachi assignments. He was, he was picked up after uh, 53-man cuts. Oh. He was picked up the day after that. Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell to me at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> no shame. No shame that you don't remember one of the six safeties that are on this team. Um, let's take it to break. And on the other side, we'll get vibe checks. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back. All right, offensively, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. This team can run pin and pull. They can do one run. That's that's enough that you can move the ball down the field against a team that's at least as talented as the Chicago Bears. Have you sprinkle in all these auxiliary plays and have Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback? Um, thought that thought that that's pretty solid. The one thing that I thought was kind of weird. In the presser, they asked, you know, Elton Jenkins, he, he you know, he kind of had a rough game. How do you feel about this, all this stuff to Aaron Rodgers? And he went on this long spiel about how people kind of measure success in the wrong way sometimes, right? Which is a very Aaron Rodgers thing to say. But he was talking about, like, Elton Jenkins had a injury, has worked his butt off, and he just played an NFL game. And to me, that's successful. And, you know, LeFleur unprompted kind of said the same thing. I'm always – looking at these press conferences through the lens of like, you're not actually talking to the media. You're talking to someone on your team. Like it's, it's always the thing that people bring up about like Nick Saban, right? Nick Saban is never talking about or talking to Alabama's press corps. He's talking to his players through the press corps, right? Yep. Because he knows that stuff's going to get uh, sent on social media or whatever. Yeah. It felt like when Rodgers was talking about Elton Jenkins just being on the field and it being a success and all that stuff and LaFleur saying the same thing, it felt like they were talking about David Bakhtiari. It felt like they, they were, were talking to David Bakhtiari through that question. For the record, as weird as, as, weird as Aaron Rodgers is, I actually did really like his answer about Elton. Um, yeah. Just seemed like he I genuinely yeah. cared about his, yeah. his friend and teammate. <laughs> From all the stuff we've heard about Bakhtiari, for them to just say that, like, sometimes you just got to get out there basically and it might suck for a little bit, but you're out there and you finally did it and you're going to keep getting better because you did that felt very, yeah. Um, it was a big subtweet. I think it was crazy that LaFleur said that Bakhtiari is not going to practice three days in a row, even when he's healthy enough to play games. What does that mean for his long-term health? Yeah. Right. Bakhtiari is still, I think he's going to have like a $26 million dead cap next offseason that's nuts this guy needs to be able to play the next two years 
and I think it becomes so complicated too because you've been trying to spend the past couple of years appeasing Rogers. Bakhtiari yeah. is probably one of his closest friends on the team. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's just so much going on with that, and you know, whether it is, there's definitely rumors that it is mental. Like, but we don't know. We don't know the extent of it. And if it is that case, what do you do from there? So that is. Yeah. That seems like a next year problem. I don't want to think about that much more right now. Hopefully, I saw what Nyman did. That might be a this year problem, unless we just want to use Bobby <laughs> Tunyon gets four receptions the entire season. I don't well, know. Well, now I'm wondering, like, when could he come back and everyone feel okay about it? Because it doesn't feel like this week. Do you really want him going out against Tampa's defense? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I do Tampa. too. That's the <laughs> like, yeah. But does, I would he, like want if he was... does he want to go out against Tampa's defense? I don't know. But so Ryan Wood, when Bakhtiari was ruled out initially for week one, Ryan Wood came out and said that uh, the team was going to be very conservative with Bakhtiari and he was going to also miss week two. Um, and the, that Owen Jenkins may have the same, uh, may have the same kind of timeline. That obviously wasn't true for Jenkins. And again, I'm not besmirching Wood's um, reporting. Like he he said that it was going to be a lot closer with Jenkins than Bakhtiari, but he didn't say anything about Bakhtiari week three and beyond. So we are full blown on Bach could play this week. Watch. I yeah. feel like at this point, the, the thing that rubs me the wrong way with all of it, because I've really loved Bakhtiari, the player, he's an exceptional, you know, he was at the, I think at his peak, he was the best left tackle in football. He's a great personality, but you're on track to play week one publicly to the press and then missing the first two games is where the vibes really are bad for me. That was so weird. Cause he, yeah. what he told Demosky he was on. Yeah. He was on track to play week one and then was like, take it at one day at a time. And it's like, what the hell is going on? The team cleared him last like October. Yeah. If he doesn't play week three, it makes me wonder why didn't you just. Yes. Yeah. You have 11 offensive linemen on, on the team. Yeah. And Kylan Hill's going to have to get promoted at some point off of the PUP to be yeah. the team's third running back. So, like, a number is going to have to move. So, I don't know. Very weird. Uh, vibe check offensively. I'm I'm at, like, an eight. I'm at an Whoa. eight. I think, okay. I think I was at, like, a six last week. feel like I'm at an eight. I know how he can run the ball. The team seems like they're committing to it. There's enough wide receivers out there that, like, Rodgers is going to find one of them. He started reading progressions again after three games straight of just like, nah, I, I don't care what it says in the playbook. I still worry about the offensive line, though. I really do. Because Nyman not looking good. Myers not looking good. Elton not looking 100%, but that was kind of expected. Those, those are all red flags that I'm taking out of this game. See, I'm going six. And it's the same reason the offensive line scares me. And like, yeah, they, they put up points against Chicago, but too many of those drives sputtered against yeah. a pretty uh, crappy defensive roster. Yeah. So that's where I get worried. I'm still not sure what the passing game looks like and what that identity is, but I agree with you on the run game uh, and getting Aaron Jones the ball is just generally a smart decision. Um, for as tiny as that man is, I just forget how unreal his contact balance is. Yeah. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite, if like we're just talking objectively around football, he's probably one of my favorite running backs to watch. Rodgers is joking that, He's 185 pounds soaking wet. And I don't know if he's that light, but he's not a big guy. I mean, isn't he 5'8"? Yeah. He's, yeah he's, he's not a big guy. The The fact that they're running all this off-tackle stuff for him, too, is pretty crazy. Because it's yeah. not like he's ever he, – he was viable at inside zone, but he wasn't great at it. Like, you still want A.J. Dillon as your inside runner if you're going to pick and choose yeah. in obvious situations like third and short or something like that. But the fact that they're running off tackle, like those are still physical runs. Like I know you're stretching a little bit more laterally and stuff, and there, there's flow from the linebackers and cutback lanes there, but it's still a pretty physical thing to do. So I thought that was kind of cool. Defensively, the defensive line stunk. The defensive line yeah. stunk. That's what that's why there were all these runs. It was a very weird game to me. Um kind of felt like offensively they had uh, gets he had a beat on kind of what he could do to that front, not necessarily the coverage, but the front. I don't like that because there's too many people in the NFC running a similar, like you're going to play, you could play the Rams in the play in the, in the uh, postseason. You could play the Niners in the postseason. Like 
stuff's going to come and, and bite you if you don't come up with answers at some point. So I don't know if it's like, just accept that like, Hey, we'd really like Jerron Reed, but like Jerron Reed is not going to be the difference maker on this front. Maybe we should go add a, a veteran once like guys start getting cut and ask for cuts and say they want to chase a ring and all that stuff. Maybe that's the route to go, but I don't love what that front showed. The linebackers played really well. Love Quay Walker. I'm obsessed. Can't get enough. I'm can't get enough Quay. Hit stick. We were so dude. We we definitely were the most pro Quay people in the Packers community, as far as as far as all the bloggers, all the podcasters, all the writers, all that stuff. I'm so happy we got him. I'm so incredibly happy we got him. He came into my life at the perfect time, getting to learn linebacker technique and scheme and all this stuff, and then uh, getting to watch a rookie linebacker. It's been it's been fun. It's been a fun journey for me. He's a uh, psycho. The 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 play where he got his hand on the ball on the slant or whatever it, late in the game. This guy can run like the wind, and he hits like crazy. He's, he's a he's a tone setter. He's terrifying too. Yeah. Number seven makes him look bigger. I don't know if that's a thing, but it just feels that way. Um, They're walking him down over centers and stuff. Like they don't, they don't care. I want to see him a little bit more blitzing. Just I'm curious to see what it looks like. Yeah. I think we might see it because they might end up going, because they've done this before, right? Where they come out in nickel personnel, but they get into a penny look and basically use him as like a nose tackle. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they start doing that more and more because if teams are just going to do this thing where you're out nickel and they're just going to run it down your throat and then you get into penny and they're going to run read options so they can get onto the edge of you. You're going to have to come up with some sort of way to, to combat that. Um, Please put him head on, on Tampa Bay's interior line. I would, yes. I would love to see that against all the backups that are pass protecting Tom Brady. That will be very scared of him. Yeah. Um, Secondary. I thought played really good. Eric Stokes got tested a couple times. Um, played it really well. Jair had that interception all the Unreal way across the pick. field. The, the only other time I've seen him do anything like that was uh, the interception he had on George Kittle against San Francisco. Oh, week that play was phenomenal too, yeah. Yeah. Jair's the best corner in football. I see Jalen Ramsey, every time he goes against a good quarterback, gives up 100 yards. Yeah. So Jair is corner one for me until proven otherwise. And he doesn't get a ton of picks, but all of his – like most of his picks are incredible plays. Yeah. Closing speed, all that. Uh, don't forget Rasul either, though. I mean, he, he makes yeah. so many dang good tackles in space, yeah. and you you absolutely need a guy like that. Yeah, he's another guy who's kind of a, a little bit of a tone setter, too. Defensively, see, I'm lower on the defense. I'm at like six and a half on the defense. The defensive line worries me. I worry about the backups, pass rushers still. I this, The secondary is fine. We said this last week when everyone was was firing Joe Barry, but I, I feel like the secondary stuff is, is going to fix itself. The front, though, made me really worried today because that's not a good offensive line. No. That is not a good offensive line I, at all. I will say I'll, I'll, I'll give one player on the Bears offensive line credit. I thought Tevin Jenkins kicking into guard actually did quite well. Okay. I thought you were going to say Mustafa or something. And I was like, oh, no, nope. Tevin Jenkins. That guy can't get guard. a snap down. He, there was quite a few plays where he kind of handled Kenny Clark solo. So. Kenny was pretty quiet today. Tevin was doing I don't a like lot this. of that. If, if Kenny doesn't make plays on the inside, there's no one there to step. Like, I don't know if they have to get uh, TJ Slayton out there, start getting him some reps or something, but someone's got to get into the backfield off of that interior. That's yep. not just Kenny. Because if Kenny has a bad day, it can't be we're giving up 10 yards of carry. That's not, that's a bad way to live life. <laughs> I'll go. I'm going to go. See, I'll do the opposite. I'm higher on defense. I'll go eight. Uh, wow. The defensive line does worry me a little bit, but I, I, I still hopeful that Devontae Wyatt can develop because he's still learning. Um, I'm hopeful about Enigbari. I know he's going to. I like this when they're getting beat on the run, taking Gary out and be like, well, you can't outside contain. Let's put the guy that was an edge setter in college yeah. out there with Preston. So um, there's, there's some young guys in there that are new, that are still learning. So I'm hopeful about that. Um, and I just don't think you know what a defense is going to look like until you're a few weeks into the season and everything gets sure. sorted out. I mean, Detroit was picking on them last last year in week two on some pretty basic stuff. True. So yeah, yeah. That the Detroit game was the whole like blitz someone. They can't yeah. get home with four. They can't get home with four. 
you can't have Jerry Goff just stand back there and just pat the ball, which is not the issue that I I really don't think that Kirk Cousins had in week one or Justin Fields week two. I mean, he was under duress all game. Yep. Um, overall team vibe checks. Where are you at right now? I said last week, one, one, let's do this. One, Joe Barry. Did you want to fire him after last week? No. No. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same boat there. Two, I feel like this team is going to go like, uh, what was it last week? 12 and five. So two dumb losses, Tampa, Buffalo. Does that feel right? That feels right. Can we go back to one real quick? Everyone yeah. that's calling for Joe Barry getting fired completely forgets that Mike Pettin didn't know how to do run fits. So I, but we want to play man now. We want to play. That's the craziest part to me, Tyler. That was the craziest part. Everyone um, wants to play man now. And I'm like, we, we just fired Pettin. <laughs> Why'd we fire Pettin if we wanted to play man? That was the whole thing. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know we're like, everyone's reactionary. We definitely waited from January until September to watch a Packers game that mattered, right? And you want to can the guy who's responsible for that. But, like, go look at the Colts. The Colts are canning a guy after every loss, right? It's not turning out good for them. They just got blown out by the Jags. They're yeah, 0 2. That my, all, all the, all my re- local residents here are quite sad. Good. 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 Wow. Good. I don't like the way Chris Ballard just like has no pressure on him as a general manager yeah he has the coldest seat in the world and no one really knows why he just gets to sit on like an army reserve of assets and it just is never asked to use any cap space well he gotta sit right with me he basically got a lifetime pass when he drafted quentin nelson and darius leonard in the same draft and you can argue positional value with quentin nelson he does he does good drafts yeah he drafts good players they never have a quarterback and he never spends the money. There's hey, it's, no hey, pressure. Spin zone, dude. They're tanking so they can actually have one next year. It's going to be oh, awesome. Good luck. It's young. Good luck. CJ Stroud. Let's see that horseshoe. CJ and Bryce Young. Speaking of, all right, mini rant here. I saw Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, and damn, who is the other one? Oh, Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback. They were getting called first-round picks. I watched their games this weekend. There's no way those guys are first round picks. There's no way. No chance. The the early draft analysts go, well, he can throw good and he's fast. First rounder. There we go. And they're like, yeah, Crystal Ball put right the right talent around Tyler Van Dyke. And I'm like, I'm a Ducks fan. I saw what Crystal Ball did for Justin Herbert. There's no way that's true. <laughs> Justin Herbert like regressed every year at Oregon under Mario Crystal Ball. There's no way. Remember when Bo Nix was at Auburn? He had some cool plays. First round pick. There we go. Yeah. Who was the Don't who was the old Miami quarterback that they thought was gonna be the Brad Kaya was getting Brad number Kaya. one overall pick buzz and never did anything? We rank way too many quarterbacks that high. Yes. Correct. From what I've seen, it's CJ Stroud from Ohio State, it's Bryce Young from Alabama, and then I think Will Levis has a chance from like Kentucky. Levis. And I think He's going to get a lot of looks just because he's already running that system, right? He's already running the like modern West coast stretch stuff that like the Shanahan LaFleur all that. Yep. Um, let's get into this upcoming game. How, how oh. confident are you? Oh, no. they're, Mentally they're I'm one and two. Yeah. The, one yeah and two that's exactly. They're one and two. I, I know the offensive line is terrible. I understand the offensive line is terrible. If there's any quarterback who can make up for a bad offensive line is Tom Brady. You have to pray that Julio Jones is still hurt from whatever he's dealing with because he had ribs and now a knee a knee popped up, which was a big deal. Godwin might be suspended. He's not gonna get, I want him to be suspended. He, he might be, be suspended. He fought someone. It's pretty bad. Suspend him. Godwin, I think, was supposed to be a few weeks with his hamstring. Um, so then all three of their top receivers are out and their interior lines a mess. The problem is just can you score on that defense? Yes. It's because it's the Packers want Campbell and Quay Walker to be Devin, uh, Devin White and, oh my gosh, Levante David. Yeah, 100%. How did I That's why you were asking me, and you're like, do you, like, 
when do you want Bakhtiari back? Do you want him back against Tampa? Yes, I really <laughs> want him back against Tampa. I'm scared. I'm very scared of Devin White's one. Devin White is one of the scariest people to face in football, I think. Just Rodgers can get hurt. There's like yes. every single guy on that Tampa defense can give Rodgers a season ending injury. That's what I honestly, that's what I'm worried about the most. Rodgers has taken so many hits in the first two games. I really yeah. worry about like him being able to last healthy into the playoffs. The worst vibes of all for me is that this game is being played in Florida because I talked about this on RA, but I'm convinced that their ultimate kryptonite is playing any games in Florida. The last, what's the last good thing that's happened to them in Florida? Was it the Devontae Adams fake spike against Miami? It was that or the opener against the Jaguars. I was living in oh, Chicago at the time. That. I can't remember what year it was, but like that I was a mentally, sluggish I'm start like, that's and a, then they won. I think mentally I'm like, that's a preseason game. <laughs> I guess the Jags, that didn't count. Hey, haven't we decided that all week one games are actually preseason games? Yeah, I think the first uh, 65 minutes of game of, of the season don't count. The, the Packers did say, LaFleur said, um, one of the reasons that, you know, Chicago was able to just kind of like drive the field and score on the opening drive um, for their offense was because they had issues with the headset. And I guess the headset issues came in like right as they ran the flea flicker. It just not a great time, not a great time for that. So I don't know if uh, if Chicago score ends up scoring a touchdown, if that's the case, but if they run it back again, but I guess I'm we'll cool. see. I'm going to pray for whatever coach or assistant was in charge of the headsets. <laughs> At home. I, I had home. an issue. I had an issue with uh, handling replay in my first ever game for high school and it wasn't working. And I was the guy. It was getting blamed for it. Oh no! My first game, I, I was out- I was headset guy. I'm oh. charging. I'm charging the battery packs. I'm doing <sighs> all that. I just can't. So like, you give me a little bit of like control, and I can't give it away. Like I just like it makes me nervous to have it in someone else's hands. So yeah, yeah that's special teams. The guy in charge of of the headsets, like that. That was my life for like a year. I'm During learning COVID. a lot. I'm During learning fun. a lot. It's it's a journey for sure. Yeah. All right. Any uh any parting thoughts? Uh thanks for appearing in the book, man. I appreciate it. Of that. course. Plug your book right now. Science have, football. Buy it. I have it with me right now. Gonna show it at a screen that no one else can see other yeah, than no, Tyler. Yeah, there's the science go. of football. He wrote a very uh nice note to me on the uh the first page. He wrote to my fellow football sicko justice and then signed it himself. I love it. I can't wait to get into it. Plug it again for the people. Science of football. Buy it, please. I am full of sleepy time tea, and it's 1.30 a.m. I'm ready to go to bed. Go, Pat, go. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.